I don't think I could think of any ones with autism. Um, I I think the closest I could think of, and this is, but the problem with this one, of course, is it goes on those extremes, and that's I Am Sam with Sean Penn. And that's, that's about, that's a story. You think, yeah, yeah, I Am Sam is about a, 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 a father with uh, who's on that extreme end who is trying to raise her own, his daughter and the state trying to take his daughter away from him. Um, I think it's based off a true story, too. Um, now, that said, that's the problem. The problem with movies like that, of course, is people get that that idea. And hence Bianca Tope's book that that's that's what it is. Right. You know, that's what things like autism is like. And it's like, well, no, there's there's a wide spectrum of us. In fact, one of the actors in that show I told you about as we see it. And I've heard this line before, but he he makes the he he does bring up the line again is if you met somebody with autism, congratulations you met a person with autism. So in that, uh, so wow, love it. But yeah, um, I mean, I guess I could always tell you about some of the more nerdy movies I watch, but you know, but you know, uh, the joy of children laughing around you. These are the makings of you. It is true. The makings of you. Okay, what's up, beautiful people? How y'all doing? Greetings, greetings. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It is your host, Drake or B. Drake with Everything Culture. And we're here this morning, this afternoon, this evening with brian johnson how you doing brian uh, well a uh, little cold it's, it's you know it's winter and you know and 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 the beautiful state of washington and uh, i can i can probably see why my great grandfather uh you know moved here because it's a little like home in the winter you know wet dark in his home in sweden you know wet dark and cold so mm. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely love it so thank you for joining us um uh, thank you for support um, if y'all heard the intro, you heard how Brian and I met. And, you know, this is something I absolutely value, meeting good people that's interesting and in mm -hmm. just sharing their selves, their culture, their background traditions. And that's what we do here for the makings of you. So this is the makings of Brian Johnson. So, Brian, have you listened to the makings of you before? Uh, I listened to a little bit of your podcast, some of your earlier stuff. You know, yeah. I haven't gotten around to listen to some of the more later things that you do. But yeah, some of your your earlier works, talking to some folks, um, you know, how they, you know, you know, a little bit about, I guessing a little bit about their parents and then moving on to their their upbringing and things like that. So I guess that's how this is going to work. This is how it's going to work. This is the making of Brian. So All right. I guess we can. Your episode. So yeah. I got a list of questions. You can answer the All questions right. how you feel comfortable answering the questions. Um, if you want to All pass right. them on, you know, once again, I'm just putting it out there, but I you're you are leading it, believe it or not. Okay. So okay. And you know, and we can start off with the quest first question here. So, Brian, how would you describe yourself? Well, uh well, for starters, uh, you know, uh like I guess I would describe myself uh how would I describe myself? That's a, that's a good question. You know, like what is like, because anytime somebody says that, right, it feels like you got to have that one word to describe yourself. And I'm like at a loss sometimes. I don't know about you, but at a loss to come up with that one specific word, because I don't think 
you can't really boil people down into one word, can you? Agreed. If you stop and think about it, you know, we are a collection of words. We are, and sometimes we are one thing and one time, sometimes we are another. Um, I guess, how do I describe this? Well, uh, I'm an aspiring social worker. I guess I could start with that. Um, I, I got into the work because of my work with veterans uh, through veteran charities mm-hmm. and just hearing their stories about dealing with the VA and the situations they dealt with. And so I thought, you know, what I can do, what, you know, the thing I can maybe do is to get into the VA myself. And even if I can't help these guys, learn a bit about the procedures that these, the veteran VA, you know, learn about the, the, the various little pitfalls that, you know, and how the VA does things. And then maybe I could help them better navigate those waters. Uh, but it, oddly enough, as I was going through social work training, um, kind of took a bit of a de- detour from that because I got into disability perspectives. Mm. And it really opened my eyes because uh, little disclaimer, you know, uh, little little bit about me. I was diagnosed with uh, a disability very early on. Uh, uh, the disability diagnosis keeps changing. And then part of that is because of how we learn about the human brain mm-hmm. and how that stuff functions and behaviors. Yes. Uh, originally, uh, it was attention deficit disorder. And then it moved on to... I guess, upgraded to autism. Uh, and I was diagnosed with that, I want to say, in maybe 2014, 2015. Um, went and out to Fremont. It took a very extensive battery on the, on the subject. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was confirmed. I, so later on, I had, you know, I talked to one of the, you know, a disabilities lawyer and said, you might want to get a second opinion on this. And so we did. We got a second opinion and they confirmed it. The head of neurology at UW confirmed, yes, he does have this. He fits these criteria. Um, And so I am on that autistic perspective. So uh, and growing up on that perspective, I knew there were some of those challenges and some of those barriers. And I think which also intersects with a lot of what these veterans go through, you know, especially with mental health issues, disabilities, disorders. Um, and so that kind of led me down the path I'm looking at now, which is to try to help folks with disability and looking into the various disability ways I could help out and advocate for disability itself wow. or disability wow. issues. Thank you. Thank you. And I know it's working. I appreciate you putting in the effort um, to be that change, that significant change that you want to see in the community and society. Um, so Follow what I follow. Question: What cultures do you represent? Well, uh, for starters, uh, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily military culture, but military brat culture, that or military family culture. That's like military adjacent. That is, we grew up in an environment where the military, even though we weren't military members, I wasn't, you know, a card carrying member of the military. The military very much has a deep, very big impact on my life growing up. Um, and we'll talk about that, I guess, as we talk later on in this episode. I would also call myself a gamer. Uh, I am a deep, passionate gamer. In fact, this beauty from Christmas is a Super Nintendo little mini, Super Nintendo mini. Yes. You know, and, uh, 
several systems down here. This this computer that I'm actually on is a gaming laptop. So um, I also identify with my Scandinavian heritage, my grandmother, um, God rest her soul, uh, you know, uh, passed away 11 years ago. But uh, she really got me, in, you know, um, interested in uh, Scandinavian folklore. Um, specifically, she was Norwegian, but my grandfather was Swedish. Um, and uh, so I kind of identify with that, that those roots uh, as far as my family goes, uh, that, that, that Scandinavian heritage. Um, and uh, I also talked about the disability thing. So, so yeah, I guess those are, those are some of the little things I think I would use to identify the cultures, the various subcultures that I'm in. So, That's perfect. And we appreciate you for that. So, Brian. Yeah. Where are you from or where do you represent? Boy, that is a good question. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you on a little trip here, Drake, okay? Because when you ask where you're from, you're gonna have to understand something about military or now I'm not saying that everybody who had a career in the military did this with their families, but I was born in Goldsboro, North Carolina, or Seymour Johnson, the Air Force Base near there, mm -hmm. okay? Now, here's the thing. About a year after I was born, we moved to the Philippines. And we proceeded to move about six more times within 15 years, okay? So the idea of where I'm from, it's a little bit like when you ask where I'm from, that's a little bit like saying, what day of the week were you born on? Right. You know, it's like, well, I could give you that information, but it's not always that relevant because... You are constantly moving from one place to another. In fact, I think, I don't know if you remember, I don't remember which company, phone company did this. It was back in the early 2000s, but they had this slogan called, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. Mm -hmm. oh, and I think that, that very much, you know, oh, you know the, the one I'm talking about. Yeah, well, I know exactly. from a rap song more than anything else, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, is that where they got that from? Okay, that Possibly. you know what? I think that was actually, I think, and I think that guy, that rap particular rapper, went on to promote. He was hired to do cell phone commercials or something like that, or advertise a cell phone uh, of some kind. But, but yeah, yeah, it's it. That's very true. I think for those in the mil, you know, who grew up in military families, is it's not exactly where you're from because you're from all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. You know. It's where you're at now that really kind of matters and really kind of, in some ways, defines you. Mm. Like, um, and that's why I asked, where do you represent? Where do you claim, like you say, somebody like, this is yeah, that's place. Like I said, that's that's a different, that's, like I said, it's a difficult question because, you know, we didn't, I didn't grow up in that kind of traditional sense of being born someplace and being raised for someplace, at least for the first 15 years of my life. Uh, it was, I was all over the place, uh, and in some places, different countries, three different countries, as a matter of fact, other than the United States. Um, but uh, I would say, I mean, the constants in that life, if you're if you're looking for that constant, of course, is that military. Uh, you know, that's that's the thing we fell back on. We went, we went to shop the military stores, and you know, military outlets uh went to military bases to do most of our shopping or i went to school um 
in what we call the Department of Defense bases, uh, our Department of Defense educational schools that they where they would, you know, it's basically grade school for our, um, for the, you know, the children of military personnel. So, um, and I could probably talk a bit, a little bit about the difference between that and civvy schools. And, and we're going to touch uh, on that though. Yeah. We're going to touch on it. We're going to, we're, yes. we're going to touch on that. All right. So, but there's that constant in my life. The other constant in my life, because, you know, friendships, that's a, that's a little difficult one because, you know, every two years you're, you're up and you're moving and, you know, you probably will never see those people again or ever talk to them again. You know, like mm -hmm. people in my first and second grade, I, I don't know where they are now. Right. Third and fourth and onward. Right. And, uh, but the other constant is, is my family, right? The immediate family and, of course, my intermediate family, which, you know, they're still your family. We would, you know, visit them every once in a while. Um, uh, even when we were abroad, we'd sometimes come back. So uh, what was that dynamic like? Like, what made, like, what, so what, who made up your family? Well, that would be, uh, my, 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 of course, my mother and father uh, and uh, my two sisters, Rebecca and Stacy. Um, so Stacy was born and just to give you an idea, Stacy was born, uh, in California All right. and Rebecca was born in England. So again, the whole, where you're from kind of irrelevant. She was born in England. She's not British. She doesn't have a British accent. You know, it's, just, are you the oldest? That's where she was. Yes, I am the oldest. I was born in 76. Big bro. Uh, okay. several, several years after my dad had returned from Vietnam. So, um, uh, yeah. So yeah, big bro. Love it, love don't it. Don't always act like it. I, I, I think I act, act like the youngest some of the times. You know, that was going to be like, my next question. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if maturity is on there because you know they they managed to make something out of their lives. My sister uh, Stacy, she's a psychologist. Um, I don't remember if she has her master's or I think she does have her doctorate. I think it's a it's a PhD though. I don't think it's an MP. And uh, my uh, my sister Becky is a nurse. They're both married. They have several nieces and nephews. I have several nieces and nephews through them. So um, shout out to Unc Life. And I'm, but you know, I'm still very single and still very immature. So you know, <laughs> hey, hey, this is the makings of Brian. So I appreciate you being on, yeah. and sharing yourself with us. Um, yeah, yeah. So what coming up? What was your childhood and upbringing? What was that like? Well, as I said, it's there, you know, the, there's the con, the, there's pluses and there's minuses. And I, I've talked a little bit about moving about, you know, the, the minuses. Maybe I should talk a little bit about the pluses because there were some, right? Like getting to go, go to other places, you know, learning about other, other places, you know, other areas, learning about the people about those areas and, you know, visiting places that, most people wouldn't, you know, you know, doing that on Uncle Sam's dime, um, you know, going to being able to go to like Buckingham Palace because we lived in England for a couple of years, uh, going to and I actually I think I have a brochure around here. Some I won't pull it out because, you know, but I have the uh, we went to um, a place called Blenheim Palace, which was the birthplace of Winston Churchill. I remember mm. going there. Um, you know, going to various palaces and, you know, castles and things like that in England and in Germany, uh, which you can't, obviously you can't get in the States. I mean, the most, you know, it's kind of funny because I was 
watching my dad. So they were watching some show called Escape to the Country in England. Like you watch the American shows and we think we think his house is dated when it has a popcorn ceiling. Their houses, well, this dates back to the 16th century and you know, you can, like right. they got houses dating back to the 16th century that are still standing in England. So, you know, um so you know, you get that you get that sense of of being able to go to these various places and and you know, experience some of that uh and you know learning about you know the different people and learning that in, in many cases you know there there are some differences but there are also some very similarities in people around the world you know that i think that's also one of the advantages of being military growing up military is you get to learn that you know in many ways people are the same you know yeah. in different areas um, there might be a few cultural language barriers and a few cultural barriers in some cases, but, uh, you know, they, we all have the same wants and desires often, um, mm. the same, you know, so same Maslow hierarchy of needs, if we <laughs> go into that. So, yeah. and, you know, and, but and I value that. And that's why we do this here is get to know mm-hmm. folks can hear one another and they experience him like, and kind of touching into that. So like, what were the roles of your parents in the household or the, your caregivers? Well, um, that's a that's a good one. Uh, like you said, the father was the provider. Um, but, you know, the thing about being the provider, being military, is it's not always uh, like either coming home from work every day now. Mm-hmm. Air Force is a little different. It's deployments because, you know, generally in the air force they stay at a base they're deployed when they're deployed they're deployed in their aircraft as, as my father was he was a uh, uh weapons officer on uh several aircraft jet fighters uh so he would get you know when they deploy the, the they would deploy the planes right and well the, you know it's not it's a little different from say deploying somebody in a and from the Navy, will they deploy somebody from a ship? They'll be gone for six months, you know, or deploying somebody, you know, you know, infantry or something like that. Um, now, that said, he would still get deployed to bases for a couple of we would we sometimes wouldn't see him for a couple of months because he would get deployed to various bases that he can't bring us, couldn't bring us like um, he was deployed for to Greece for a while. He was deployed to Greenland for a while, for as a you know, just to give you an idea, and that would leave my mother uh, to kind of raise us uh, for the most part on her own. Um, now she did have family supports. We would have grandparents and grand. I had a an uncle, who, or I, should, I, I guess we call it an uncle, grand uncle. I call it that because the technical term for it has always confused me like uncle twice removed or whatever it's called yeah yeah i got a i got a form that explain all that just like grand uncles (laughs) okay (laughs) grand uncle so we would you know she would occasionally get help from that but she had to spend a lot of the time you know raising the the three of us brats and you know not that she would say it i mean that's kind of what we were right and uh having to do that and she she wanted to you know she uh she had gotten to the school to be an RN, registered nurse, but for the sake of the family, for the sake of because she, you know, because of the unstable environment in which we're constantly moving around, she had to put that aside, put that on hold for 15 some years. Well, 
no, maybe not 15 some years, like the first 12 years, right? Okay. You know, from the day I, you know, well, I would say even longer. Think about it because my, 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 my dad joined the service in 71. So, hell, must have been, yeah, 15 some years for that she had to put most of her career on. So, um, now she finally got her degree and finally became an RN, but that was 15 years later. Uh, so there's, she had to, to sacrifice that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, to, to, in order to take care of us, you know, which not, not always easy for, for somebody to do. Um, and, and, you know, unfortunately, you know, as I said, dad wouldn't get deployed a lot away from us, but it did happen frequently, you know, where we would have to, uh, you know, uh, where he, we, he'd be gone for like a month or so. So, you know, um, yeah. I love hearing yeah. it. It kind of leads into, so you got what your parents did. So what were some of the responsibilities you and your siblings had? Like, what was your first sense of responsibility growing up? Responsibilities? What are those <laughs> things? Well, I mean, I would have, I guess, chores, if you could call it that, you know. Wasn't very good at doing them. Um, <laughs> mostly just cleaning my room. Um keeping my room clean, but, you know, I was, you know, I, by the time we got home, I was like, oh, you know, I, you know, this is like the first 10 years of my life. So there weren't a whole lot of like really big responsibilities I had to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, if mom had to go out, she would get a babysitter. Um, and, uh, so as far as responsibilities, I guess just being kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I couldn't really like, elaborate what our responsibilities would be like you know you know suburban uh, kids living hundreds of miles away basically you know <laughs> so, absolutely understand uh how are y'all yeah. redirected a discipline coming up um well um uh there was a bit of bit, a bit of physical stuff spankings were were common um you know that 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 did happen um uh I was often disciplined. I think the the what got me busted the most or in trouble the most was being out of bed when I wasn't supposed to be out of bed. Right? You know. I understand. My lame excuse was always I'm checking my toys. That would be the excuse. Of course, it never worked. But, um, but yeah, just being out of bed when I was because I was you know, and I, I guess eventually my parents gave up because they figured he's a night owl. He's not gonna you know. I mean, not for those first twelve years. They they really tried to get you know to get me in that in that sleep cycle, um, but Just but uh, yeah yeah physical you know um, spankings were 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 a common form of discipline. Um, uh, we would have he would also have a, a sort of a, a you know carrot and stick system. Like if I did my chores, we would have a thing you know kind of a merit system. Like I would you know I. Did this number of things, we would get a reward. I remember that was another way my dad had a, a discipline system set up. Um, but, um, yeah. How do you feel about your education so far in life? Ooh. Okay, so I said I grew up with a disability, and that became very apparent early on. I think that started to manifest itself in kindergarten. In fact, I saw 
some of the things my kindergarten teacher wrote about me being in my own little little world, not communicating with the other kids. Uh, and I I struggled. I struggled a lot in grade school for those first four years, I would say. Um, I remember constantly getting D's and F's um, in most of my skills. I was I was behind in reading, behind in arithmetic. Uh, one time, I remember a teacher was giving out a spelling test and I started looking up the answers in front of her. And here's the thing, that's cheating, but I didn't know it was cheating. That's how, you know, because I was like, well, the answers are right there. And nobody explained to me what cheating was. I just remember everybody was really mad with me. And I was like, but what, what's going on? I don't, I don't understand. What, what did I do wrong? You know? Um, so, and, you know, it was very set up in that, in that very, um, in a kind of a punitive way. And there were, there were some strange things I should say about the DOD schools. I don't think civilian schools had, I'll give you, I'll give you a perfect example of this. Please. They did not like us making lots of noise in the cafeteria. I don't know what this rule was or who came up with this rule. I remember um, in England, like we would have the cafeteria more, you know, monitors like constantly, you know, be quiet. Your guys are making too much noise. And that never worked, of course. And then in Germany, we had a guy coming up with a three strikes you're out system, right? Like too much noise. It would go, it would count down to one. And if, after that last strike, everybody had to sit in the cafeteria and recess was canceled, basically. Um, so that sucks. I don't think that would fly, <laughs> you know. A civilian, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, eventually, somebody came up with a reward system that was a little better. But I, I still to this day, like, don't know what they were doing, you know, like. And hell, I thought that might have been normal until I got to actually back here to the States to a civilian school. I was like, oh, you guys don't have that here? <laughs> really? You guys think can say as much it. as you want, like in a cafeteria? Like, um, I also remember, and I guess this is more indicative to the 80s and the whole uh, Cold War resurgence, right? So uh, when I was a kid, you know, as many eight-year-old kids do you know they just like to draw tanks and soldiers and fighter jets and stuff like that right and, different uh, time. i drew a, yeah i drew a lot of that right and uh you know i think they got concerned at one point the the, the uh, higher-ups or the people that were in charge uh, and i think the drawing that might have scared them the most and just just speculating here is i drew this capital, right? The the the, uh, the congressional building, right? You know, I thought it was the White House because I didn't know any better. And I had a guy who looked like a president and a guy who looked like a soldier, right, in front. And somebody pointed out that the soldier looked a little Russian. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. This is 80, 85, around the the you know middle of the Reagan years in the eighties, okay. And so they started. They they. And this is very military, uh, I guess, in that they, they talked to my mother and said, um, we would like to look at your son's psychiatric files, you know, your, your son's, uh, you know, medical behavior files and things like that. And, 
And they were like, and she was like, okay, can you tell me what this is about? And they said, basically, well, we're not at liberty to say. Very military thing, right? And she's like, no, no, you, you, you won't tell me what, what this is about with my son. I'm not going to give you my military file. So they tried to go over her and go to uh, my doctor, who was a military doctor. Now, here's the thing about military, and this is one of the reasons why veterans have trust issues, is that military doctors, uh, during that time period, and they've, they've kind of revised that very recently, is that they would have to report to a CEO any medical conditions, any behavioral you know, problems, or any of that, if on request, you know, even chaplains would have to do that unless it was outside of some religious function like a confession. Uh, however, I can reply to that because I was a civilian, right? And that's the military doctor said specifically, no, I am not releasing those files to you. These are civilians. These are not military personnel. So, and eventually they kind of let in uh, to my mother uh, what was going on, right? They were concerned because I'm drawing, you know, kids, you know, war and tanks and things like that, you know, and this is, this is the 80s, this is you know, a very different time, but you know what, you know, I'm yeah. still a kid, right, you know, still watching G.I. Joe. Well, you know, I was about to say, that's exactly what I was going to get on, but G.I. Joe and all, you, know, you had Thundercats and all that, you know, but. Thundercats, you... well, okay, that's, the funny thing is about that is, is, is for the first four years, no, no, I didn't. Because we didn't have Thundercats and GI Joe in England and uh, in Germany, and um, that was going to lead to we got a few shows. He was in a different area. Was that one of the reasons too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we did get a couple of shows, but they were often translated into German. Like I remember the Buffets sounding very weird in German, by the way. Um, but we would also now the fortunate thing is we lived very close to the Dutch border. And the Dutch don't, like many of the Dutch spoke English anyway, so they would, a lot of it was, um, a lot of their programming, which was American, would be, uh, they would just, they just would throw, you know, Dutch subtitles at the bottom. Um, so still A-Team, Knight Rider, still grew up watching those, uh, you know, and occasionally, you know, at, you know, at uh, some of these daycares that I would go to for uh, my dad and mom couldn't get a babysitter as we you know see scooby-doo and things like that so some of the old hanna-barbera cartoons of course but uh a lot of the old the earlier 80s cartoons like transformers and gi joe i didn't get to see until i got back to the states so um okay okay yeah. Let's see what was your first job when i say job like your first taxable position and when you receive first your... taxable position okay yes. wow uh, yeah, that's always been a struggle for me is, is getting finding work. Uh, but I think my first official taxable position, if you can call it that, would have been I. Well, no, that was that was more of a job that my dad had got through a friend of his, uh, and it didn't last very long. It only lasted a couple of days, so no taxes really. Uh, but yeah, that was my first paying job, I would say. I guess if I had worked for that guy longer, he would have had to, to file all the, the taxable forms, as, as it were. But I guess the first form where I had to, to file those forms was McDonald's, and did not last long, you know. People think McDonald's is, is working at McDonald's is easy. For me, it wasn't, you know. I don't think you know? most people 
I don't think it worked any fast. Yeah, most people who have actually worked at McDonald's will tell you, no, no, it's not. You know, it's, you know. Yeah, I remember it's, it's, working customers. Not a, yeah. I've seen I've seen people are not so kind to people in fast food, and that's what kept me from doing it. I'm like, nah. Oh yeah. And I and yeah. if you're on the internet, you see how people treat people all the time, and it's just like. Plus, they want you to work like you know, like that, right? You know, fast, 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 fast. And I'm not a fast worker, right. at least not physically. Oh. Um, but that would be my first uh, now. Oh, thank you, thank and, you. Uh, but it's been a, it's been a it's. That, that has been a struggle, like just being able to stay on a job. Um, and even after getting my education, um, and, uh, and the big problem for me has always been transportation um, because I can't drive. So, uh, and as the big problem, of course, is America is a driving culture and the West Coast especially is a driving culture. And it has been a big barrier in the most jobs I were were those retail minimum wage retail jobs which I'm just not suited for uh, unfortunately um, now the one I did do for a while was I worked for an independent contractor as an independent contractor for a small company that did built websites and you know and that was fun I, I liked you know working for that particular guy uh, unfortunately it was it was not uh, uh, a livable wage by any stretch of the imagination, but at least I must, I must have liked, I, I liked something about the work because, you know, um, even if the wages were, weren't what I would have wanted. So, um, oh, I absolutely understand. So I'm going to jump ahead to one of the questions I usually ask later, but you know, this is the makings of Brian. So we, we can do what we feel like doing here. So we'll do whatever we want. Right. Exactly. So, if money wasn't an issue, you was wealthy beyond all means, as long as you kept one position, one job, one career, what would that career be? What would you want to do? Mm. If money wasn't an issue. What would I want to do? Money wasn't an issue. Boy, you know, I would still, I know this might sound like, I, I would still want to work with those with disabilities. Um, mm -hmm. if money wasn't an issue because I've, I've had so many struggles, you know, being, having a disability myself and I want to still help. I would want to help and, and maybe even use that money to help folks get, you know, so they don't have to go through some of the things that I went through. So, um, yeah, I'd still very much want to be in disability advocacy, I think. No. I don't think I would change that. So, love it, love it. So, what were and what are your beliefs? Well, uh, boy, to boil that down, um, well, I guess loose, loosely practicing Presbyterian would be a, a good way of describing it. Um, parents were Protestant, born and raised Protestant. Um, uh, went to several churches until we found kind of the one we settled down with here uh, where I live, uh, which is a Chapel Hill Presbyterian Church. Uh, that I went to the youth group from that. Um, though I, I sort of, I, I drifted away from the faith. Um, I don't know if I'm ever going to be like, go ever really entirely back to it. Um, one of the things that really 
really kind of stuck in my craw. Wow, I actually used that word. I don't know what it means. But what was stuck in my uh, um, is one of the guys that I grew up with. Uh, you know, he went to a different high school, of course, but he was in my youth group. Um, he died of cancer, uh, brain tumor. Uh, and I remember him saying, and he was a good guy, really good guy. Uh, would give me rides home from, you know, from like the group and stuff like that. Usually the, the guy who would do that for me. Um, and, uh, you know, he said he, he was going to live long enough to walk his daughter down the aisle. Didn't happen. You know, and I was, and I told my pastor, um, you know, how could he let a good man like Josh, his name was Josh Pearson, how could he let a good man like Josh Pearson die like that? How could he just, you know, and I, and I told him, you know, I'm, I'm angry with God. And I remember what my pastor said. And this is one of the reasons he's a really good pastor. He said, if you need to be angry with God, go ahead and be angry with him. He can take it. So, um, and I think, I guess I can, you know, it's been a while. It's been, it's been five or six years. And have I made my peace entirely with him? I don't know. God, that is. Um, but... I think, I don't think I could ever step away entirely from Christianity. Um, I still believe in, in an afterlife. I still believe in the Protestant work ethic. Um, you know, and I still believe very much in, in America and an idea of that it should be a, a land where everybody has the opportunity to succeed, you know, regardless of where you come from. And we have a lot, you know, as, as a country, I think, I know that, you know, we don't always live up to that ideal of all men created Well, he said all men created equal, and he probably did mean it, Jefferson, but in that world, <laughs> and, you know, and Jefferson, woo, he had some ideas. Boy, did he have some ideas about who those men were, but, <laughs> but I think there's that ideal, right, of of we are human beings and we should all have those equal, you know, an inalienable rights. And America still is not quite that, that land, but I, I want to see us, but that doesn't mean we should stop trying to be that land, you know? Absolutely. Sorry if that was all over the place. No, no. Once again, this is the makings of Brian Johnson with everything. I am, I am. Yeah. One of the things you'll learn about making me is, I am going to be all over the place. I'm not going to be like, I may go off on tangents out in the weeds. So and we will pull you back. You know, we will let you see have we a good time, but we pull you back. Yeah, yeah. We really appreciate you sharing yourself with here, with us here, with everything mm -hmm. culture. Um, so going further into you, of course, um, what has been, or who has been the biggest influence in your life? Wow. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to lay it out there. My grandmother, mm. Grandma Johnson, um, you know, uh, like I said, she was the one who got me really interested in, in Scandinavian, you know, the whole Scandinavian folklore and, 
and I wish we'd kept them, but she, she used to have these books on gnomes. You've probably seen some of those. Like, she had a couple of them. She was a big fan of gnomes. I wish, I wish we'd still had those, because I would have liked to have them. Mm. Uh, but yeah, my grandmother, big, big influence on my life. Um, you know, she... And this is a little bit of going back into my dad's history. Uh, my grandfather uh, died while my my, my father was still uh, still I think in elementary school. Uh, mm. It was a it was a you know he was work his his dad worked in the freight yards, and there was an accident, freight yard accident, and uh, that left my grandmother to live to to raise five children, you know five five boys. Um, yeah, five boys. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but and you know she had to raise them by herself. You know this is the '40s. You know so women don't didn't make you know and we still have that you know talk yeah. about inequity. You're talking about inequity in the '40s. Now she got a pretty good job as a secretary. Um, no, no bookkeeper uh, doing the books for a, a university, uh, and I think it was Northwest Christian College. Uh, so. She was able to do that, you know, and uh, and my dad, you know, and her brothers, you know, you know, he she was able to make enough, and through that and through the insurance that they got from, you know, the freight accident, uh, to 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 live a a middle class life. Uh, but yeah, raising the raising five sons on your own that's tough, you know, especially you know, and 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 I think my dad even said this. I remember he said this at her funeral that. There was a lot of concern about if she was going to be able to do that. In fact, there was talk about separating him, you know, and having all of her sons, you know, you know, go to different families, you know, be raised by different family and friends. And she's like, nope, I'm going to raise them myself. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And she did. So, uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, um, other family members, my father, um, obviously being a big influence on my life um uh yeah thank you thank you and trust me i really appreciate you sharing the context of why that means a lot mm -hmm. um people don't because mm -hmm. that was a different culture <laughs> you know and seeing it just a thought yeah and you know cps mm -hmm. even was even there you just had to rely on family um mm -hmm. and to rely on you know, even the way she stepped up and made sure your uncles and your fathers to care for it was absolutely amazing during that time. It's a testimony. So. I mean, I I think it also helped that some of my older uncles were were, were getting at that age where they could do the jobs and stuff like that. Like my uncle Gene. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I I can't imagine it been easy. You know, and uh, now I think about it, like the house that they lived in. Like they had it was it's a. Houses were a lot smaller back then. Yeah. I don't know if people noticed this, but you know, this was like a this was like a one-story house with like two bedrooms in it. Now they were able to make a third bedroom like in an attic, you know, up for for my 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 oldest uncle. But yeah, he my dad had to you know share the bed you know share the place out with you know with four brothers, and I've been in that bedroom. It's not a big bedroom. So you gotta you gotta imagine what that what that gotta be like to be to to you know to live you know out out in Eugene, Oregon, um, uh, you know in that in that house. So 
and got a value your um how do i say recognize the luxury you have in life and privileges you have now even though it may not oh seem yeah like yeah i mean like yeah you 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 do it, it makes you appreciate the, the fact that uh things are a little different although at the same time i would also i'd like to take a step back on that because this is something my dad told me and this is something i actually do believe um and that i think in some ways kids have a harder than the previous generation. Mm-hmm. Like when he was growing up, he would tell me his job, like the summer jobs he would have were like going out and, you know, working on a ranch, you know, or working on a, you know, farm, being a farmhand for summer, you know, it's, you know, for spending money, things like that. Uh, and these days, those jobs are not there anymore. All that, all those farms have become, you know, I mean, we, we intercorporated and things like that. And, you know, it's 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 work that nobody wants to do. So it's it's the ones that can, you know, aren't intercorporated. You know, they're they hire out to to migrant workers uh, more and more. And you know, all those summer jobs now they're they're retail jobs. These like that's that requires a very specific set of skills that I don't think every team possesses, like or every team can do. Um, so, and that's not to say that farm work is, is easy. I was. I know I, I got some opportunities with some folks if they want it. You know, some teenagers that want it, I, I'll point them in the right direction. If they want to do it, that's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> if they want to do it, exactly. But there's there's also, and I think the problem with retail is it's it requires a different set of skills. Yes, and it's it's very complicated, and it's not everybody's got the charisma to do it. Like you know, and that's one of those things. Like that's one of those jobs. Like if you screw up. That's when you're going to get noticed most, right? You know, so um, is it's always takes that. It's just that one complaint from a customer, right? Doesn't matter how many customers compliment you. It's that one complaint. Um, you know, in these days, I mean, like we didn't we didn't have things like COVID. We didn't have these these times like now. You know, I mean, it's a change. I was, you know, funny thing is, yesterday I was in a, uh, uh, a um, at a at a lobby day for Ark of Washington. And they were trying to do a, um, a testimony video. And it kept getting interrupted by all these other videos. And one of the videos that interrupted was the fact that they're pushing the doomsday clock 90 seconds to midnight. And it's like, this is a, this is a little bit of a concern, you know? Um, so doomsday clock being the, the clock that they, the, the, symbolic representation of how close we are to nuclear armageddon um so um you know all of this that people you know that that kids have had to to grow into now you know um you know we have the internet which has brought us together but it's also brought its own share of of problems and you know and and that's sorry uh, if i'm going on a tangent but like, oh, you're I, said, fine. like I said and not just know, i know I think, and, and the conversation right there i believe is so much where it once again every decade or you know, every culture you're going to have the pros and the cons you know guy but mm-hmm. you know and people can look back oh it was so good back then and some people look back well, it was so bad back then as well and yeah it was bad like, back then as well i mean yeah it was like well, what challenges we, we, i don't think we yeah, I don't think we can say like kids have it easy today. It's like no, no, they don't really. You know, like, it's just that they have a completely different set of challenges than we had. 
Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. When we were kids. Because so. even when we talk about the internet, um, for instance, you don't, you, everybody's so worried about having their personal information shared online, you know? Oh, exactly. Exactly. But if you, know? you grew up in the, the 80, the 70s, 80s, 90s, y'all don't remember the white pages. Like your stuff was automatically <laughs> out and available. The people wasn't freaking out. Like, yeah. you know, people can look you up at any time and find you. There was no fear. But your white pages would just, yeah, but the white pages would just give you the number, right? They didn't tell you, oh, this person was born this year, and you know, uh, you can get this information. And but it was so yeah, they don't go into that detail. It's like, like now they can find out you've got two dogs and three cats at your house. You know, you know, like. But it had to be shared because people feel comfortable sharing it too. <laughs> so it, it, there it, are it, ways it, to find it out. Uh, it, it goes so many different ways, but and if somebody want to find you, no matter what, back then or not. In so many ways, you can protect yourself. It's so, so detailed. We're going to work, but that's a conversation for another day. But we got to talk more about you, Brian. So, yeah, okay. all right, sorry, sorry. No, you're <laughs> fine. You're fine. I, this is what yeah. I do. So we got three questions. Yeah. This is these. This is all in one. We get when we want three recommendations from you. We want to okay. recommend a book to us, recommend a movie to us, and recommend a television show. You know? Okay. So. <laughs> I got the book. I will give you the first one. In fact, you know what? Let me pull that book up because if you guys want to get an insight into what it's like to be autistic, there's this, this gal from, I believe, Holland who just wrote this book. And you know what? Let me pull. I, I got to pull up my Kindle. That's another thing, right? You know, like look at that. electronic devices to put books on, right? Now Think it's about probably it. kind of that, you know. I'm staring at a screen now instead of pages, but at the same time, I don't got to go to a bookstore, you know. Or have um, a room full of books, a library in your house. You have it in your. I still your have head. a room full of books. Oh, what day? Yeah, there's. You can't see them, but there are books over here, all the way through up and down through here. But yeah, so and the book is called. This is a book you can find on Amazon. You guys want to get an insight into the autistic mind. Now, I will tell you, um, and then I'll, I'll lean into this. Uh, it's called, But You Don't Look Autistic at All. Um, yeah. Wow. But you don't look, yeah, it's called, But You Don't Look Autistic at All. And this, this is this gal who grew up with autism, learned about being diagnosed about it. Uh, haven't finished the book yet, but... Uh, what she talks about when it talks about the DSM-5 and why she feels that it might not be an accurate representation of those with autism. It's Bianca Topes. Bianca Topes, exactly. And she's uh, she's from Holland. She's Dutch. Um, which I didn't really realize as I was reading until I read really into the book. It's like, wait a minute. this I don't think this woman's from America because she keeps talking about living in Holland <laughs> or in Germany. It's like, is she European? <laughs> so yeah. anyway. That's the book I would recommend. All right. Uh, television series. If you guys got Amazon Prime, I'm going to sure, probably throw a lot of stuff on Amazon because they're now our corporate overlords. <laughs> but if anybody has Amazon Prime, a good show, and it's still a television show, of course, is if you want to learn a little more about the autistic side, I would say, um, uh, as we see it. And this is a story about three folks living in a, three uh, young adults living with autism um, and their lives. Um, and talking about their lives, the caretaker, the people that are around them, how that has affected them. 
so that's a that's a good book uh, or good uh, television series. I think I could not recommend. Am I twenty twenty two first season? Um, Rick Glassman, Sue Ann Penn, Albert Tukey, Susan Bacon. Okay, okay. another one. Diverse. Okay. Um, another one I would also recommend if you guys want to get an idea of of military and things like that. And uh, I, I deal with a lot of them with PTSD. It was a, was a show, a science fiction show called Homecoming, uh, which was really good. Um, and that was a, a story about a pharmaceutical company who comes up with this way of dealing with autism, I'm not autism, PTSD, uh, really good show. Um, what was the third one you wanted me to ask? And movie. Movie. Wow. Uh, I don't think I could think of any ones with autism. Um, I, I think the closest I could think of, and this is, but the problem with this one, of course, is it goes on those extremes. And that's I Am Sam with Sean Penn. And that's, that's about, I, that's yeah. a story. You think, yeah, yeah, I am Sam. It's about a, 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 a father with, uh, who's on that extreme end, who is trying to raise her own, his daughter and the state trying to take his daughter away from him. Um, I think it's based off a true story too. Um, now that said, that's the problem. The problem with movies like that, of course, is people get that, that idea. It hits Bianca Tope's book that that's, that's what it is, right? You know, that's what things like autism is like. And it's like, well, no, there's there's a wide spectrum of this. In fact, one of the actors in that show I told you about, as we see it, Avery, and I've heard this line before, but he he makes the he, he does bring up the line again: is if you met somebody with autism, congratulations, you met a person with autism. So, in that, uh, so, wow, love it. But yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I could always tell you about some of the more dirty movies I watch, but you know, but you know, uh, I mean, there's other movies I can take think of, but they're more, I think, more in tune with veterans. Um, uh, I think there was a movie called Megan Levy, who was about the uh, a woman who who was uh, a marine who uh, in a canine unit. One of those bomb sniffing units. Um, yeah. This is really good. Um, but yeah, the movie one's a little tougher because I don't know if there's any movies out there that have have really explored uh, that that aut- nuance of autism just yet. So no, you you this is helpful. No, you did it. You, yeah. you did. It. Yeah. So going to our next question, you have a magic yeah. telephone. All right, with your magic telephone, mm-hmm. you can call three people or three anything. That could be fictional, it could be real, that can be here, that can be gone. Who three, what three people would you call? My grandmother would be one of those. Uh, you know, a lot of it, you know, another one I, I think is a, is a fellow friend of mine who was a, you know, just because I haven't, I, did, I you know, I lost touch with him and he passed away, fortunately, he's a, he's a guy named uh, Josh Corkin friend of mine um yeah i think i would have loved to, to be able to just to talk with him again um boy a third one i mean there's so many uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it out there jesus christ 
these are gonna happen. You know, I, I you know, I, I just like to pick the man's brain. See, you know, see if this is everything he wanted. Uh, probably not. I don't know if he, he might be disappointed of, of where we went with his whole his whole ideals. So, um, but. Um, I said recently that I, I don't think a lot of people who said they promote Jesus, I don't think they understand if he was actually here that y'all would probably crucify him again. Y'all be the one that <laughs> do it to him. Yeah. Well, we, we did it once. We probably do it again. So that, you know, I mean, you know, that's the. He, but he, we find different way. We find a different method, of course, because you know, you know well, the only know, people to cross, not not exactly, you know. Too biblical these days. Like, hey, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, he, when he come back again, he ain't going for it again. <laughs> he come back yeah. for different reasons. But I appreciate your three, um, your grandmother, your friend, and Jesus Christ. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, what has been an impactful moment in your life? Um. Well, I think the moment that's that's kind of shifted me now i'll admit i'm still kind of a lack you know i'm, I'm still a little bit of a lazy body but the, that shifted me towards this this pivotal moment in my life and wanting to help people with, with disability is meeting the fine folks and i'm going to give a shout out to them called stackup.org and that is a a uh, group that uh, that works with veterans of ptsd they're actually a group of gamers and um, I met them through a writer that I had been following, a comic book writer called Gail Simone. And they have been probably one of the biggest impacts on my life right now. Um, because they are the ones who really, because this, this light, they're the ones that, that, where this light came off of, maybe I should get into social work. And from there, that's where my path has gone. Uh, so I would say at, at this present time, just meeting those guys, getting to know them, um, has been the most impactful moment in my life. So I'm sure there's others that, you know, that I've either forgotten or will come. So. This is the one you went with. This one we rolling with, cause this is the making of the Brian. Yeah, the you know? Hey, yeah. keep it going. Keep it going. Brian, what is your theme song? <laughs> I got it. I got it. Um, on my best days, staying in Elmo's Fire. St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Or Unstoppable by Sayed. One of those, maybe. On my worst days is a song called Trapped by Still Frame. Or is it Still Frame Trapped? Anyway. Uh, it's about being caught in this cycle and not being able to get out of this life cycle that you are in. Uh, even despite no matter what you try and do, you still feel like you're further away from the goal. Mm. Um, and, wow. you know, life is still a struggle sometimes, you know. Absolutely. But I, I would say it would alternate between those two, right? Okay, okay. I appreciate it. I do appreciate it. All right. So, in your life, what privileges do you benefit from? Well, I hate to use that word white privilege, but, you know, uh, like I said, my grandfather, you know, he immigrated here from, from Sweden, you know, 
and hey, you know, that's that is that mythical land of that mythical Nordic culture that the Anglo-Saxon majority back in the 18, you know, early 1900s really clings to. So, you know, within a generation, my family was Americanized. We were pretty much welcomed into the fold, right? Um, and there are advantages to being a white male. I, I won't lie, you know? I know, you know, you know, I live in a nice neighborhood and things like that. And I know that doesn't, that's not through osmosis. You know, there are still, unfortunately, you know, there are still inequities in the world. And uh, the advantage is that I do have some of that, that privilege. Now, on that flip side, like I said, the disability part, that has closed a lot of those doors. But there are still those doors that are open. Um was that what you said about privilege? Uh, that, oh, that's thank you. I, you uh, hey. <laughs> living, you know, middle class family, you know, my father, you know, they, they'd all write by themselves. We're not like the most wealthy, but we, we certainly, I think we did okay, all things considered. And uh, I'm, I'm blessed to the fact that they still, they're letting me live with them right now because things being what they are, unfortunately. Uh, and happy. Having family, absolutely. Understand. Having family loves me, absolutely. Yes, yes. That's that is that is that is such a privilege. Thank you. And you know, and I can't, you know, I can't thank my parents enough. You know, they may not be perfect, but they've given me that. So appreciate it. Appreciate it. Okay, how would you define joy? My joy. How would you define joy? Oh. I think joy, well, for me, it would be having a sense of accomplishment. And it could be, that was mine. you know, <laughs> yeah, like, and it could be a very real sense of accomplishment, of, of real, and, you know, I think this is what taps into that gamer thing. It's, it's sometimes having that virtual accomplishment, you know, and, Hey, it may not be real, but hey, I did it, you know? Um, or, you know, building something, you know, and just seeing it, you know. Wow. Uh, you got me over. What, what comes of it. <laughs> so, you what? I may be overthinking it a little, but yeah. No, you, no, you have me over here thinking because is that why I like gaming? Because that's how, that's how I define joy as well. You know, this is making us a Brian once again, but. I said on my like that mm -hmm. is my way. Yeah, I think if you ever really think of looking at video games, there's always that sort of there's that interactivity, but there's always a challenge, there's always an obstacle, and when you overcome that obstacle, like there's okay, there's one game called I don't know if you've ever heard of Firewatch, right? Which is basically a walking simulator. There's no real challenge to it, right? So I can't I, I said I can't really call this a game because it doesn't challenge the player at all. Yeah. Um, there has to be some some adversity, I think, and just having that sense of accomplishment, and or I've heard of it. You it's know, like... just just getting something in return for that, you know, for your efforts, you know, like a reward, you know, or being appreciated for your efforts, even if it's just a bunch of random people telling you stuff, you know. Um, I think there's that. I think there's also the ability to be able to create something. Or build something in some of these games that, that I really enjoy. Um, okay, okay. I love it. 
and I, I know a Firewatch. I haven't played it, but I hear they was. It's like it's they try to make it like a, it's not a horror game, but it's like an eerie mystery. What's said. But the second one, they supposed to up it up a little bit, you know, step it up. So, uh, oh, what game is that? Firewatch. They supposed to come out with a sequel. Oh, Firewatch. Yeah, it's not really a scary game. It's it's more. I really do appreciate the storytelling that was in that game. Like, in, in fact, they did within that with this with um, with just a bunch of text telling you the story of that game. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't played it yet. But <laughs> within the first five minutes of that game, they tell you, and you get you get the emotional feels that it has taken some games an entirety to try and get you to get, you know, right. or not get. Sometimes some games just overdo it. Uh, David Cage games, especially. I think that's his name. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, but, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely, you felt like the character you're playing, the guy, he's a very real person with some very real sit problems, and there's a reason why he's doing, getting away from all that, you know, and the first, his supervisor is a very real person. And you get a sense of, even though you don't really see these people, you get a sense of who they are. Um, but at the same time, can you really call it a game? Because you're just walking around talking to your supervisor most of the time. Um, it's a great interact. I, I would call it a great interactive experience. I like that too. I like that too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So who represents your community of support? Community support. You know, I wish I, I, I had a good question answer to that. Sometimes, I don't know. You know, like I said, I work with a with a group that's stacked up, but they're veterans. Um, I mean, yeah, they can support me somewhat, but that's not like even the leaders told me. You know, I, I can't relate to you, Brian, because I'm military. I'm like, you know, if I see a problem, I was like, okay, what's the problem here? You need to fix the problem. Why can't you fix the problem? Exactly, you know, and... Sometimes I wonder where where I can go. You know, it's been it's been difficult uh, trying to find that support for people who who get me, who might have understood, you know, what I'm going through, uh, and just being able to connect with those people because it's been it has been very difficult, I guess, finding you know that kind of support. You know, um, I've had people that support me indirectly. But in terms of direct support, man, I just, I wish, you know, sometimes I do ask myself, where do I go? Where's my shoulder to cry on, you know? Yeah. When, when things are down, when, you know, when I'm frustrated, when, you know, when, you know, I, I get turned away from another job because I can't drive. Um, yeah. Boy, I wish I had a positive answer for that, but. Uh, it's not about being positive. It's not about, right. You know, sometimes, yeah, I don't know. I it's don't about know where you. that is. This is about yeah, you. I, I, I really do wish, you know, I, I knew where that is, where that anchor I could find to just, you know, where that, that, that port I could call home. But I, I still, I, I, I guess I'm still looking for it. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, it'll come together. You know, we'll figure it out. That's something we're good at doing. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, how is the question is about traditions and how does your culture or your family or your community recognize death 
and someone passes away, what are what's the what's that process? Wow. <laughs> oh boy. Uh okay. Well, I mean, we're come from a Presbyterian church, of course, but that's the religious. Uh, but when it comes to coping with death, uh, um, you know, as far as I think there's this idea that we don't want to, especially with my father, um, he doesn't like to show his grief. Yeah. You know, he didn't like to show up when grandmother passed away. I mean, I showed. Like, in fact, my grandmother, Grandma Johnson, I told you about, she passed away Christmas morning. Mm. I remember that Christmas because I got had gotten Skyrim for Christmas Eve. We had opened a present early because, right? I'm sitting there bawling my eyes out rather than trying to get to the intro because, you know, now, little context here. She had, she, this was after a very long bout with Alzheimer's mm. where I watched this disease rob me of that powerful, you know, joyful woman. Yeah, yeah. That I had known as my grandmother. And it was very painful to watch. Um, so there was a lot of mixed feelings about like, you know, and I think I came to terms with it. It's still, there's still, you know, that, that grief in my heart, but there's also this, this idea that she is finally free. Um, and it's a, that's a tough question right now because that family support I told you about, and this is maybe why I'm starting to feel a little drift is because we are starting to lose memories of my family. Uh, my father, those five brothers I told you about, he's down to two. He had just lost two brothers within the last two years. Mm. Uh, in fact, one of those brothers, that fat, the entire side of that family is almost gone. I got one cousin from that side. We don't know where he is. And um, so it's like those, those old familiar supports got knocked away a little, you know? Yeah. And that family, you know, so as terms of traditions and culture, I know I'm, I'm going all over the place about this, but in terms of culture and traditions, I think there's that idea of not wanting to show your grief, you know, of getting over it, getting on, you know, moving ahead of the mission, so to speak. Um, but there's still that, that feeling of it, you know, um, Absolutely. And I, I got to tell you this. I know you may feel like you're all over the place, but I believe you're hitting numerous points that a lot of people may experience the same thing, may be feeling the same way you're feeling. So once again, thank you for sharing. Sorry, I'm leaning back in my chair. <laughs> you're getting comfortable. You know, I understand. I'm getting comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but thank you. Seriously. Good thing I'm not in my living room. I get really comfortable, you know, just kick <laughs> back and like my lazy boy, you know, have the dogs try to get up on my lap. The laptop doesn't work too well. Oh no! I, I absolutely. And that kind of leads to another question: um, Did you have any pets uh, growing up, or do you have any pets now? Oh yes, yes, uh, quite a few. Um, uh, the earliest I can remember was a border collie uh, or shell and sheepdog. We named Shasta. Shasta. Um, and yeah, he was. He lived a very long life. He lived 15, 16, some seventeen years before passing away. I. Uh, Grew up with that dog uh, from the age of five or six all the way up to like my twenties. 
and we've had we've had dogs. We had a few cats. Uh, they all they're all gone now. I, I would love to get another cat, but uh, the dogs we have would not mix well. Cats. <laughs> we've got, right now we've got two. They're a mix of Lopsa uh, Opsal and Maltese dogs. Uh, they're actually related. They, my dad, I guess he, he we were going to get one, but he got very attached to like the brother of the litter. So we got ended up getting two of them. Um, uh, their names are Callie and Sam. And, uh, and they could be a handful. I mean, but uh, they're, 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 they're adorable. They, so they know it. So. Uh, Shout out to Callie and Sam too. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you have a biopic coming up. All right. All about you. So who would you have play you in your biopic? Who would direct it? What would be the rating? And what network? Or, you know, if it, after it come in the theater, what network would pick it up? I don't know who would play me. I always pictured that the person who played my dad would be Dennis Franz. Um, is he still alive? <laughs> I don't know if he's still alive or they not. Don't have to, they don't have to be alive. It's like, what's oh, they don't have to be alive? Okay, well, we can go all over the place with that. Um, boy. Uh, okay, since we're not going to go alive, I've always been a fan, well of his work comedy wise or used to be i would say robin williams or you know or maybe given i'm a kind of a quirky guy maybe uh jim carrey mm. um, no or not jim carrey who's the guy who did uh me myself and irene was that jim carrey or jim carrey oh that was oh, jim, jim carrey, carrey. Jim, jim carrey. oh yeah yeah you got so, me yeah, maybe <laughs> classic one of one of those folk you know or uh God, who else would could I could I pick there? Uh, hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a really tough one to figure out who I would be. Who who would play me? You know? Hey, so you're gonna got some. You gave us some good folks. Who who yeah. would you have directed? Who would I direct it? Uh, um. Hmm. Uh, well, assist you in directing. How about that? No, no, I would do a terrible job directing. I'm not Hollywood material as far as you know. I, I'd have a really rough time being that with people, right? Like, I you see how I am all over the place. What do you think my directing <laughs> style would be? It's your biopic, like, I would love to hear you see the creativity behind it representing you. Hmm. Creativity representing me. Wow. Uh, hmm. That 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 would be a tough one. I would say. You know, I kind of like the work that he's been doing lately. Um, a guy by the name of um, Nathan Fillion. Uh, he's been he's been doing his own show lately called The Rookie. I think he might be a good good guy to direct my stuff. Okay. Um, the rookie's on Netflix, right? Uh, what? No, I'm thinking. No, of the, the rookie recruit. is on ABC. I'm thinking the of the recruit, recruit is on. No, the rookie is uh on it, the show's kind of jumped the start, but I I do like Nathan Billion, and uh, it's about a a guy who's in his 40s deciding to be a cop. Um, 
So, and it's uh, on ABC, I believe. Yeah, ABC. So, it actually got its own spinoff uh, lately. But, uh, yeah, maybe Nathan Fillion, I would say, see him directing my, you know. From Firefly. Yes, I, I know that name. Yeah. Okay, okay. Let's see. Now, what network would it be on? Actually, you know what? I'll take that back. There's another guy who might, who might, who might play me. Okay. The guy who played Sheldon. Now oh. he's a little more extreme as far as autism goes, but I think he could nail the bit. You know, if he down downplayed it just a little with me, um, I could see it. So. Okay. So what what network would it be on? Yes. Well, ooh, I'm not going to say Amazon Prime. They get enough. They get enough overload accolades. Uh, overload accolades already. I would want it on one of the prime networks so everybody can see it, right? Like, like that stuff I told you about. You, you got to be on Amazon. You got to be on Amazon Prime. But I think, and really to reach people to get an understanding of my life or the life of somebody like me, I think it should be a wider audience. So. God, ABC would probably be the most sympathetic right now. Um, I mean, they are linked with Disney, but uh, or failing that, uh, maybe Comedy Central. You know, that's a big cable. Yeah, you know? so, well, both of those are very good. And yeah. Disney will own everything. Of course, I don't know how funny my my life would be. So you know, uh, maybe Comedy Central may not be the best for it, but you know. You know, they, they'll pull something off. Trust me, especially if you have. As far as Jim as rating goes, uh, well, uh, it would probably be. I want to put an R rating, but only for the fact of language. That, that's nothing now. That's he. That's TV fourteen now. That's nothing. Like TV fourteen. Okay, yeah, day, TV fourteen. If TV it's just 14, language. Right? Oh, that's nothing. It's just language. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, folks. It's not that exciting. Not a lot of sex and violence in my life. So, you know, I mean, hey. and that's fine by me. But, hey, you know, just, just a lot of bad it. language and harsh words, you know, some mean words, it. basically. So, some people know. need to hear. That's what I'm saying. But we need to hear. Yeah. Yo, I would love to check out your biopic. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Yeah. It's, not, it's, it's for awareness and through art you get awareness you know mm -hmm. and once again it's a biopic it, it, i think it'd be dope so <clears throat> we're coming on to maybe a few more questions how you feeling oh i'm good how are okay. you feeling i'm great i mean i mean I'm, are, are you am i annoying you am i like all over the place do you have to keep you know that's something i have to ask i am one i'm a professional two yeah. i've had if you listen, you just don't know. I've been all over the place, everywhere. I've had people be upset. I've had people cry. I've had, we just laughed the whole time. I have people, I've had a 15 minute making of you before. But once again, I love <laughs> getting to know people. You know, that's something. Yeah. I love um, when people bless yeah. our platform to share themselves, to share themselves with us and our, you know, our audience. Yeah. So you. For me, sometimes picking up on conversational cues are difficult uh, oh. because of the autistic spectrum. So sometimes I don't 
you know, you might be giving me a signal and I won't, I won't catch it, you know, because yeah. people and what you ask is normal too. Is like, hey, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you. You're the first person to ask how I feel. I'm okay. Yeah. You no, know, I'm just happy to. So be you're here. doing good. I'm not like you know. This is this. <laughs> obviously, I'm not the worst guest you've ever had. Maybe not the best, but you know, I'm somewhere oh, no. in that all, middle. All my guests are great. That's one thing. I, one thing I, I and I genuinely mean that. Um, even it, it, it's people need people. Once again, you'll be yeah. surprised. Oh, yeah. You know, you you'll be surprised. I'm I'm looking forward to someone listening to this and relating to you seriously. So yeah. thank you. And uh, and it's funny because we've talked about how people are different, you know. Like I'm more of an introverted kind of guy. Like I I like to be by myself, but every once in a while I gotta come out of that hermit shell, right? You know, I gotta talk to people. I gotta be able to communicate with others. You know, yes. I never nobody's ever entirely an island, and I don't think every not nobody's an entire. Uh, you know, nobody lives on a subway or wherever people gather, I guess. <laughs> Uh, like nobody's ever going to be one thing, a complete extrovert or a complete introvert. It's always going to be a mix of a balance. Right? And I'm all about balance. So we support it. We support yeah. it. So this is a would you rather question. All right. So. Oh, God, I hate those. No, no, skip. Sorry. <laughs> no, skip. If this is one of those stupid questions. Like if you if you would rather be born without hands or feet, which would you pick? No. Okay. Let's Let's, see, let me. I'm gonna no. give it to you. If you don't like it, we'll let me skip. give it to you. And, uh, all right. All right. Okay. All right. Would you right. rather go back in time and speak to your younger self, or would you rather your future self come and talk to you now? Um, my future self. I want to know because the future is a scary place. Mm. And you know, I may be. I may be doing. Pulling out a Norse mythology thing. I may be pulling an Odin here, you know, because for some of those who don't know about Odin, he gave up his eye to 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 learn the future. And mm. what he learned was, hey, you're going to die. Everybody you know is going to die. He, he learned Ragnarok. Ragnarok is what, yes, and that he couldn't do anything about it. Uh, that could be, be careful what you wish for. But because... But I want to know what's going on and maybe what I could do to do better, you know. If I go back and talk to my past self, I guarantee, you know, look, my past self's my younger self, the young bones. You ever try to talk to a young person? Like, you know, I was there where you're at. Whatever, Grandpa. You know, it's like, it's it's tough to talk to young people because they're so... And I hate to say this about you young people who are watching this, but they're 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 sure of themselves, right? You know, and I think it was Oscar Wilde that says, "I'm I'm you know, I'm not young enough to know everything." He actually that's a quote from Oscar Wilde, if I remember correctly. Um. Uh, so I don't think my younger self would probably listen to me. Uh, I mean, I could tell them. If I told my younger self anything, don't listen to your guidance counselors. They're full of shit. So, sorry to my French, but you know, you know, but don't listen to your school guidance counselors. They're just trying to pass you through school and pass the buck to somebody else. You know, stay in physics, stay in those hard courses, challenge yourself. Don't take these Mickey Mouse courses because they said you should do it to graduate. Don't do that. You know, but. And hell, I'd probably say that to kids if I was, you know, but yeah, 
I would I would want to I, I think the future self, even though that could be a scary, scary, uncertain place, you know. First of all, thank you. And I told you yeah. it wasn't that bad. Look at you. You wanted to skip it. You know what I mean? You were... I, I didn't want to skip it because those those come those would you rather ones are so stupid. People always ask those stupid questions and they're like, I would rather not do any of these things. Thank you very much. But I'm telling Leave me you, alone I, and let me get back to my game, basically. Listen, you know, I'm a professional, so I know. But and thank you for your response too. It's no right or wrong answer, but you answered almost exactly. You answered both sides of it, and you because yeah. and you answered to the point that I'm telling the the following question I have: If you answer when you're younger, would your younger self listen to you? That's legit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if my younger self would listen. Like you know. Would you listen? Would, do you think your younger self would listen to you if you came back? You know, I have. Oh, I mean, that's that's the that's the thing. I now now I think about my future self. Would I listen to my future self? And that's a, that's a unique thing. Like, are you part of that maturity? It was one of my previous guests. Shout out to Vic from Liquor Talk Podcast. Said, if this is the younger self, don't listen to him. It's okay. I'm you know I'm gonna give him five across the lip. I'm saying, so you go salt your youngest child. It is so funny. Like, you once again, shout out to Vic. But if you listen to this episode, it's like I don't think you understand would appreciate that. But no, I'll no, you got you, what you got to do is you got to get that announcer in from from like you know, wrestling and like uh, what was this, the dude? Let's get ready to rumble. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm bad. I can't remember his name. Such a big part of culture. Okay, okay. So going right along. Once again, we got a few more questions. All right. All right. If you could have any meal at the snap of your finger, what would be the meal, and who would prepare it for you? Mm. Right now, that would be a good question. Oh, because I tried to make them myself. You know, boy, a tough one. That would be because I can have that. You know what? We'll go for the meal I can't have anymore. My grandmother's Norwegian waffles, mm. uh, which are a little different. They're not exactly like a breakfast. They're they're served as a uh, a delicacy. As a they're served cold as usually as a delicacy, often with lunch. Uh, used to serve them with powdered sugar, which. I can't have as much anymore because I'm diabetic, but um, yeah, yeah, I think that would be the where I would go with that. Love it, love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, what is your favorite holiday? One time, a long time ago, I would have said Christmas, mm. um, but that magic has kind of that spark has faded. Um, mm. uh, you know. And I think part of that has to do with a lot of family drama I didn't get into because this is about me and not entirely about my family. Uh, but, you know, we have some some schisms with my family of late. Um, I don't talk to my middle sister at all. Um, and she's been... And, um, yeah, I, I, I feel like that ember has kind of died in a way. Um, you know, it, Christmas used to be very magical for me, and uh, you know, and, and part of that, of course, is the passing of so many family members. You know, yeah. like you're, I'm not, I'm not going to get that back again. Um, 
that value, that, that joy, I think, back again that I had when I was a kid. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, maybe I'm just not a big on the other holidays all that much. Uh, I'd probably still say Christmas to a certain extent. Well, thank even, you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That, that is, that's, that's, even though, you know, me, people may look at that as being, you know, grim, but that, that's, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you're not alone with that sentiment. So thank you again. Mm-hmm. Okay, your, your last three questions. All right. All right. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. First of all, how would you want people to remember you? Uh, you know, I want people to remember me, maybe not so much me, but what I may have brought to the world, mm. you know, like if I could make something for the better for, for, you know, I mean, in the grander scheme of things, you know, in the, in the world scheme of things, if I could be, if I could, you know, create, help create policy that would improve the lives of others you know i don't need the glamour for it you know and and be recognized that to a certain extent some recognition for that uh but i think that's what i would want to be remembered for is what i the thing i did and and what it what it did for others um all your actions thank you yeah changes thank you thank you thank you okay what changes do you want to see in your culture? I honestly don't think I want people to to recognize the struggles that folks with disabilities have. You know, um, we we so often think. You know, I mean, like, and I bring this up in an advocacy thing. I don't know if you got to see my advocacy piece, but. We talk about Franklin Delano Roosevelt being, he, you know, contracted polio in an early age. He was wheelchair bound through his entire presidency. Um, he was one of our most popular presidents, okay? Uh, served, what, four terms in office. You know, They went to the two-term after that because they wanted to put a stop to that afterwards. And yet, his entire campaign, his presidency, they, they hid the fact that he had polio, that he lived in a wheelchair um and you know it's people i don't think recognize what it's like to be disabled until they find themselves disabled even in a temporary situation like i remember my one of my professors at uw of tacoma telling me that he broke his foot and trying to get around that you've been to that campus mm-hmm. all those stairs you know some of those elevators are locked down at night you know, getting just trying to, you know, get back to the cause car was a chore. I was gonna say that that's a distance I had to go because I had to come back like two, three times. I like, oof. Oh yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. And and I think people don't rec- realize just how you know. And I I would say for those that are marginalized with disability, like this is the thing. Okay, being um. Being, being a you know a minority isn't going to stop you from driving a car. Well, 
okay, maybe there's some barriers there. But learning the act of driving a car, right? You know, being female, not going to keep you from carrying or learning to carry or hear a song or carry it, right? You know, being a part of the LGBTQ community, not going to stop you from climbing a, fl a flight of stairs. But those with disabilities, we have limitations that can prevent us from doing those things. And there has to be, you know, a recognition of that. And I think they're all just because we have those limitations doesn't mean we're freaking useless. Mm. Sorry if I'm getting, you know, but that that seems to be the, the idea that, well, you have this disability, so you can't contribute. And that is such bullshit, you know. We can contribute. We just need to give them the chance, the opportunity. And in some cases, the accommodation. We do, you know, I realize we can't live in a first floor, everybody lives on a flat plane, you know, existence. That's just, the world doesn't work that way. But we have to understand and try and help those who can't necessarily get around in, in, in this environment in a way that everybody else can and not take for granted that, well, I can do it. Why can't you? Well, there are many reasons why I can't do it. You know, there are many, you know, there's limitations and have to be able to recognize those limitations and uh, help others overcome those. Well, deal with those so that they could be the member of society that they want to be. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Greatly appreciate it. And last but not least, how can we support you with everything culture? How can our community support you? Wow. Um, I would, if I would say anything for everything culture, you know, and, and just for that disability part, I would say try and get involved, try to understand, try and learn more about what it's like especially with us with neurodiversity, like in, with autism, with because our disabilities are invisible, you know? And you can't see them, but they are, limitations are there and the people that we are. And I would say, try to learn more, a little more about us, but also try to help us in some ways with some of these limitations, right? And not take for granted some of the things that you guys can do. Uh, transportation, big one right now. Okay. Uh, housing, big one right now. I know. Um, that's big, you know. And, and look at some of these bills, you know. I know it's boring, but maybe try to help us. I think the big one would be if everything culture could could take a look at because I know that's a big one, not just for disposable disabilities. Those who can't afford to drive right now are in a world, you know, you probably have seen this being out in the West Coast. Like, just how bad it is when it comes to transportation. I'm from Texas. It's way better than Texas. <laughs> so I'll tell you that. So I'll call. You know, that, that uh, job I told you about, that internet job, that guy was from Texas, too. He used to be from a small town in Texas, and I don't remember the name of the town, but he says, we got anything you want, you just got to go 100 miles in any direction yeah, to find yeah. it. Yeah, and, and, and 
And that's why I say when I'm I hear you. I hear I'm, you. I'm like I'm listening but, to you fully. And that's one one thing I do value about resources, especially what we're doing right now. You know, I have yeah. a full set studio that I put together, but I know everyone yeah. is not able to make it here. I know everyone is not able to yeah, um, you know, true. you have to come upstairs. So I'm like, we give our options to do things virtually, even yeah, when you're saying it work. That's the you know what you brought that up tr- virtual, 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 virtual. I know that a lot of people want to go back to that FaceTime, and believe me, I understand the value of being face to face with somebody. You know, Let I me understand tell you, that conversations value. I'm having on um, other and yeah. people don't. Some people don't do not want. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot, and I'm telling you, yeah, you don't think virtual is a good thing. But, I think but I'm it's also a very good thing at times. Yeah, the virtual opens up a world, especially for us with disabilities, because here's the thing about virtual: you don't have to build a ramp to a virtual office. You don't have to do it if your office is virtual. Well, hello, you know, and you can. That opens up so many possibilities, and I would say. I would encourage more of that virtual world. I know we all want to go back to the way things were before COVID, before we all got built in this cultural world, but we have to recognize that, because I did some studies and I did some research on this, that that, is, that has opened up possibilities for those with disabilities, is that virtual world. I'm glad you brought that up. Because again, that tr- issue, that's an issue we may not be able to solve. But I guarantee we can embrace this technology more and find more ways to use it and utilize it and make it more of a conducive, you know, work environment. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because the whole time when you were speaking earlier, like question maybe 15, I was thinking, oh, I have to bring up the virtual options because... I know when the pandemic went. Into yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I. Oh. Why did I forget that? Because that was such a big thing in my internship about virtual work. Yes. And what that's doing for folks with disabilities right now. Yes. And opening up that possibility. So. And that's something. So. I'm, that's one way I'm trying to help out in numerous different ways. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So, Brian, you did it. You done it. You completed the making with everything culture. Congratulations. So at this moment, if the people are looking for you and you're trying to be found, where can the people find you? What's your what's your social medias? What's your handles? My social medias right now, I would probably gear them towards my YouTube channel. Uh, It doesn't it's only got two channels episodes on it. I'm I'm, eventually I'm going to go back. I haven't updated it in a while but stuff i've got on there i hope can help shed some light on disability on where we got to this point as far as looking at disability in this this culture uh i have two videos up and it's called um gonna be a dark it's it's called left alone in a dark room Mm -hmm. and the reason i call it that is because the history of disability that's very much what people we would do we would just lock people away leave them in a late like in a secluded spot we didn't want to see them we didn't want to you know identify with them so left alone in a dark room in youtube might you might have to put left alone in a dark room advocacy um so because oddly enough people really like to use titles depressing titles like that you know 
I thought about using rainbows, puppy dogs, and kittens, but I don't think it would like you know it would like really convey the message that I'm trying to bring to folks. Plus, I think it's already taken. So, no, you hey, you you um, you're the first one to pop up, so you're fine. So, and once yeah. again, I'll make sure to share it everywhere here, so everyone can see it. Um, yeah. Now, brace you. yourself. I'm still I'm still learning the nuances of building together videos. So, pardon uh, me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. aren't we all but hey I, I want to say thank you again Brian I want to thank you for everyone that's listening to us thank you for everyone that's watching us we greatly appreciate your support um, and we look forward to having you back on future episodes when we have a panel and we discuss not only gaming we discuss being a what the nickname a military brat as well as being oh so I'd love to hear and, I would and, love to hear input from more folks that grew up in the military you know that, that yeah, military and, you know family or gamers i would love to hear more from gamers <laughs> and last but not least but people who not only is experiencing autism but people who work along with others and people who provide resources to our autistic community or community with disabilities in total and what does that look yeah. like you know we would love to have you yeah. back on for those conversations so once again, I would love to be on for, for those conversations too. Yeah. So. Just, just stay, just continue to be ready, and I greatly appreciate you. And you know, everyone is listening. Y'all know where to find us. Everywhere you find everything culture. That's an A, not an I. Um, I'm Drake. Be Drake, your host. And yeah, thank you all. God bless. Peace.